Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Well, good morning. If you will turn with Ephesians, or turn to Ephesians, Ephesians 1.11. We couldn't decide if we was going to do this blue-collar comedy style or if we were just going to get up here one at a time, but uh, we're going to do a mix of all of that, so uh, take it away. Well, we're waiting on Eddie. He wants us to introduce ourselves. Apparently, y'all don't know all of us. Well, I'm Zach, Dylan, and Shane, and then here comes the bald-headed wonder, Eddie. Okay, well, Ephesians 1.11, it says, We have also received an inheritance, and some predestined according to the purpose of the one <coughs> who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will so that we w- we who already put our hope in him or in the Messiah <coughs> bright might bring him praise and to glory. All right. So um, I'm not going to make you guys like flip through a bunch of pages because I'm going to like be here and there. Um, but if you have like a notebook, then that'd be helpful, too. So you can. So you can write down your passages, okay? All right, so I'm going to talk about sovereignty, God's sovereignty. Um, before I kind of get into that, I kind of want to explain what I mean by it, what it is. And um, so um, when I'm talking about God's sovereignty, um, I'm talking about his authority, his control, and his power over the tiniest ant getting stepped on to the whole world being affected by a global pandemic, right? So his sovereignty is him being in control, having power and authority authority over all those things that that that, that are happening. Um, so that's what it, what it is when I'm um, talking about it. And so, why is it important? Why why am I even speaking on it? Um, and so, when you grasp the reality of of God's sovereignty, um, it transforms the lens through which you look at life at, right? So every little thing that happens in your life, um, when you have a a true grasp and an understanding of God's sovereignty, it changes the way you look at every aspect or every situation or anything in your life. Um, So that's what it it is. That's what it is, and that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about God's sovereignty. Um, And so now I'm going to go through a few areas um, that God is sovereign over, um, I mean, he's sovereign over everything, but for the sake of time, I just picked a few few things. Um, so the first thing I'm going to be talking about is nature. So God is sovereign over nature. Uh, and so I'm going to go to Psalm 104, and like I said, you don't have to flip to it because I'm going to go to a different passage in just, just a few minutes. Uh, so Psalm 104, uh, verses 10 through 14 says he causes the springs to gush into the valleys they flow between the mountains they supply water for every wild beast 
The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky live beside the springs. They make their voices heard among the foliage. He waters the mountains from his palace. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of your labor. He causes grass to grow for the livestock and provides crops for man to cultivate, producing fruit, producing food from the earth. Um, so here we, we see that just from water flowing from a valley to grass that's going to feed your livestock, none of that happens without God um, allowing that too, right? So nothing that you, and, and nothing that we eat, right, happens or grows without God allowing it to and God providing it. So here we see God's sovereignty over nature um, and him providing that. Um, and so flipping over to Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, uh, this is Jesus talking, and he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? So a bird that is sold for a penny, so pretty in, insignificant to society, doesn't die without God allowing it to, right? So the most insignificant thing happening doesn't happen unless God allows it to. Um, and so I could have talked about a whole bunch of other passages that displayed his sovereignty over nature, um, but for the sake of time, I just wanted to list those two. Um, and so why would I even mention nature, right? Why would I mention that part of God's sovereignty? Um, and so I think because one reason is so or nature, it's, it's an ever-present danger for us living, right? I mean, we have to deal with hail, tornadoes, fire, hurricanes, earthquakes, and, and on and on, right? So um, it, it's something that, that's a part of our lives, you know, every day. And so when we grasp the reality that God is even in control of a sprinkle or a hurricane, um, when you grasp that he is in control of that, um, you can rest in him during those times when, when uh, there is trouble. Uh, and so secondly, um, understanding the specificity of God's care and control of creation, uh, it should bring us great comfort knowing that he doesn't let one, one bird that you don't even know about die without him allowing it to. He doesn't let that happen um, unless he allows it, unless he wants it to. And so, so the smallest things in our life can only happen if God allows it to, right? Um, and so moving on from nature is to leaders and nations, right? Um, so... Uh, so the first two verses that I'm going to talk about, they're going to see that no king, nation, uh, president, or any leader um, can change the purpose of God. Uh, and so Isaiah chapter 14, verse 27. Uh, and so this is, this is uh, Isaiah, he's prophesying about taking Israel out of, because um, they're being ruled, right? And so he's talking about taking them out from under uh, the Babylonians rule and he says for the Lord of hosts has purposed and who will annul it his hand is stretched out and who will turn it back right so um, you get this picture of his hand stretched out of, of God putting it into motion his plan already being put into motion and he says who will turn it back right and so uh, the obvious answer is nobody right so no one is going to change 
his purpose once he has set it in place. And then we go to Job 42, verse 2. It says, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So, again, Job, Job declaring that uh, he can do all things and once he has his purpose set in motion, nothing can change that purpose, right? Um, so we... So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of transition a little bit. So we know that nothing any leader plans is going to uh, happen unless it's part of God's plan, right? So first we saw that once God has a purpose, no no one can change it, and we also are gonna see that no leader plans anything unless it's part of God's ultimate plan. Uh, so Psalm 33 verse 10 it says, "The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing." He frustrates the plans of the people. So, um, no matter how hard leaders of, of the world um, try to make whatever whatever plan that they that they're um, devising, right? So, none of those plans are going to happen unless God wants it to, uh, or else He'd frustrate it or bring them to nothing, right? So, we see great great security in God allowing leaders to make the plans. Um, but it's not just leaders he's concerned with. Um, he's also concerned with you and I, right? Um, so Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps, okay? So we're, we're planning, you know, uh, we're making plans in our everyday lives, right? But there's great joy in knowing that even though it seems that we're making those plans, Lord is directing those plans, right? So when something happens and you're like, oh, no, this is not what I planned for, we can have security um, and comfort knowing that the Lord is directing those plans, right? So we see that he's the leader of, or he's sovereign over leaders and nations and over us, right? So he's not just concerned with, with leaders and the people making decisions, but also with us, So in a world where it seems that, you know, everything is, is, is chaotic and, and nothing is, is going according to plan or um, what we know that uh, no, nothing's going, nothing's happening, or sorry, give me a second. <laughs> so in a world where it seems that everything and everyone is turning against God, uh, these verses and the truths that are in them uh, bring peace. No election, no law, or anything that's going to be set in place happens without the Lord knowing and allowing it to, right? And so uh, at the end of, of leaders, of talking about leaders and nation and God's sovereignty over them, um, I want to give one more verse. I, so it's Psalm 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. So I love this verse because, you know, it's talking about people making plans against the Lord and separating themselves from the Lord. But what is God doing here? He laughs at them and he ridicules them, right? And so 
I don't know, I, I just love that verse because it just shows how hard someone can try to go against God and he just laughs at it because he's sovereign over them, right? So in a period of evil and chaos, rest in God's sovereignty, right? So he isn't going to let anything happen that he, you know, nothing's going to surprise him. Everything that happens, he is allowing it to, and we can trust that it is for his purpose, right? I mean, we're not going to, we, we don't know um, what his purpose is exactly or entirely, um, but there's security knowing that he's sovereign over everything that's happening. And so life and death, that, that's, that's the last thing I want to talk about and, and with God's sovereignty over. So Psalm 127, verse 3. Uh, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb. So here we see that children in and of themselves are a gift from the Lord and a reward, right? And so moving on to Genesis 25, 21, it says, Isaac prayed the Lord, or Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So here we see that one, you know, in, in Psalm 127, we see that children are a gift from the Lord, they're a reward. And then we see that he allows, like he's sovereign over our ability to conceive or not conceive children, right? Um, and so with that, um, you know, he is sovereign over the limitations that you think your body has, right? So he's sovereign over that. Um, but we also see that he's sovereign over who dies, right? So he, he's sovereign who is born and who has life, but he also is sovereign over, you know, who is going to die. Um, so Job 1, 21, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And so... Um, with this in mind, this also means that God is in control of situations when persecution is happening, right? So when Christians are being killed and persecuted, he's still sovereign over that. Um, and so a lot of people ask, you know, well, what about, it? you know, the, the question, is God sovereign over this happening? Um, but we find the answer in First Peter 3.17. It says, it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. So this may seem cruel and hard and everything, but uh, just a chapter later in First um, Peter 4.19, it says, Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So these verses bring joy because it, they're, they're saying, you know, even though we're going to die, they're saying that Satan and, and um, evil, they don't have the final say when you die, right? Even God has the final say, okay? Um, and so with that in mind, with God being sovereign over death, um, it's also, I uh, want to note that um, death is defeated, right? Um, and so if we are in Christ Jesus, um, that ends with our being in the presence of God, right? So 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty three, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So those are the kind of the three things I just wanted to highlight um, that God is sovereign over. Um, but now I want to I want to end with why we can trust God's sovereignty over those things, right? So He may be sovereign, um, but why can we trust His sovereignty over those things? Why is He 
Why, why, why should we trust in him um, through those things? And so the first point, God has infinite wisdom, and everything that happens is according to his plan because he is sovereign, right? So Jeremiah ten twelve, it is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens, right? So God made the earth by his power, and he established the entire world by his wisdom, right? So the only reason we have any type of wisdom is because of God. So we can trust that because he is infinitely wise, um, he knows what he's doing um, in the situations of the world. So two, uh, God is God is madly in love with you. You can trust that he wants the best for you. Um, so Romans eight thirty seven through thirty nine. No, this is Paul talking. No, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor pa- nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right. So, first point we see that God is infinitely wise. Right. So He knows what is going on. Two, He's madly in love with you. Right. So He loves you, and so we can trust that even though it doesn't seem like things are going to plan, he is sovereign over everything, and everything is being directed by him, right? And so if he loves you, we can trust that it, everything is working for your good, right? And may not seem like it's good to you, but again, that's going back to God is wise. He's wiser than you and I, um, so we can trust in that. And so lastly, I have the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you, right? So God's love for you is never going to end, right? So whatever you're going through, um, you can still trust that the Lord is being faithful. And again, this may not look, this may not all be um happiness, right? This may may not be easy. Uh, it may not even be living, right? I mean, w- we may die. But again, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So um, he'll never leave you or forsake you. We can trust that he is wise and, and um, that he loves you more than you know, right? So that's what I wanted to close with. And so three reasons that we can trust in God's sovereignty over nature over leaders and nations, over life and death. So that everybody knows, we had a brief discussion about this last night, so it might not look like I'm paying attention, but I'm taking notes as well. Uh, but so last night he was talking, he was talking about, I went to about sovereignty, and the the verse that came to my mind was Luke uh, 4.18 where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set the liberties of those who are oppressed. And it also reminded me of the, of the song, The Spirit, of, I can't sing, but the Sovereign Lord is upon you. You guys, everybody know that one, right? You know what it did us. I mean, it's, yeah, and now it's in your head, right? You're welcome. Um, yeah, it was good.
I, that's all I need to say. Go ahead, Chainsaw. You. Is this gospel quartet? <laughs> you want to? Am I Mark Lowry over here, the comedian? Okay. What? It's on. it's on. I turned it on. Don't tell me I do my job. We're going to tag off of uh, sovereignty and uh, turn to Hebrews 4 and verse 14. It says, since, uh, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. You can highlight grace there that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And uh, I, picked, I picked this passage because it shows God's sovereignty and that he is there, our great high priest. And he has so many different names, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great high priest. It goes on and on. We, talk, we sang songs this morning uh, about the different names of God. But the thing that just blows my mind is God's grace through all of this. He's the creator of the universe, but yet he still cares for each and every one of you. And when, when he died for you, he had you in mind while he was there. So the other passage, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up here. The definition of grace is the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. Or the, you go to Bible Hub, you want to do that. The kindness which bestows upon one what he has not deserved. We don't deserve it. Romans talks about wh what's the payment of sin, our sins. is death, right? We should, we should die because of our sins. And we're all sinners, says that too. But the payment for our sins is death, but yet we have a sovereign God who created everything that has given us the gift and given us that grace. We don't deserve it. We deserve death. The word tells us we deserve it. But yet he paid the price for us. The next passage I have here is Ephesians 2. good chunk of it here Zach kind of led with the Ephesians 1 so it was kind of kind of nice we're going to dovetail off of that and we're we're kind of hitting the same spots the heading there says by grace through faith and you were dead in the trespass and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God. Highlight that, but God. Capitalize it, but God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up in, in him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So going right back to talking about, it's just giving you more 
more and more example of God's sovereignty, it tells you it's seated us with him in that heavenly place in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And I highlighted this one, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. If I could underline it again, it's not our own doing. It's the gift of God. What is a gift? Does a gift cost you anything? Do you have to give it back? No. The creator of the universe, the king of kings, our sovereign Lord, has given us a gift that we are not worthy of. The payment for what we do, and it talks about you know the desires of the flesh, the payment for what we do in our sin is death. But God. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that nobody can boast. It's nothing that you do. It's nothing you can earn. You can't earn a gift. A gift is given. It's given freely. And everywhere I look in Scripture, usually grace is accompanied by mercy. It always talks about his grace and mercy. Our merciful and gracious father. That's how some of the letters actually start. Our gracious and merciful father. What is mercy? Compassion. Or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So one more time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, our Sovereign Lord, He has every right to punish us for our sins, and our punishment should be death. He has the power to punish or harm us, but yet He shows mercy, the compassion to forgive us. When He could wipe us out, He shows us that compassion and that mercy. And for whatever reason, when I heard Dylan likes the Psalms. <laughs> and so I found a Psalm that just really just chimes it in. It's Psalm 103. Dylan was in 104. I'm in 103, verse 8. And it says it just like this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And that's where I'm going to turn it over to Eddie. Wasn't ready. You sure you don't have more time? Man. Do I have to sit? Is it, can I get up? Because I've been sitting for too long. Where's my frame? Yeah. Shane said it. Shane. Oh. Can I, can I, I'll just move the chair so I don't run into it. Um, 
Yeah, I've <laughs> I always do this when I get up. I get a little nervous, but then I don't know which direction to go, but I know any direction I go will end up at the end. Does that make sense? Like, even though I have two verses, um, I don't know which one to read first, but it, all, I, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just Maybelline. Sorry, Reliant K fans. <laughs> um, so we're talking about the sovereignty. We're talking about the grace of the Lord. And we, uh, the, the youth just over the past, what, nine weeks have went over the fruit of the Spirit. And so uh, in Galatians uh, 5, that's where we've been, 22 and 23, we've, we've hit each one each night. So it wasn't like you hit them all at one time. You're doing each word, uh, fruit of the Spirit, a, a night. And the one that really got me uh, was in 23, which is gentleness or goodness, depending on what version you, uh, you're reading it from. Um, and what, what really hit me was that his gentleness was at the dinner table with the disciples. And so we, we've heard this story multiple times, but for some reason it just really impacted me that he was washing their feet. He was doing a servant's job. And he was washing their feet with gentleness, knowing the betrayal that was going to happen, the death that was going to happen. He knew it all at that point. I mean, even your sins, he knew that. And still yet, he took the time to wash the feet of the disciples. So, Back in John 14, 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. So we're to do greater works, but the fruit of the Spirit, we have problems with it sometimes, doing them greater than the Lord by showing joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like I had, pro I, I struggled with self-control this morning with my middle boy and gentleness. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't touch him. I was very, very angry. I wanted to beat him. Yes, but I didn't. I had to apologize later. I did not live in the fruit of the spirit of the moment that doesn't mean that i've uh, i've made my peace we're done i love you bud but so if we really if we really believe in god's sovereignty and his grace and his gentleness we are representations of that in every day of our lives we have to be sovereign with people that we are in contact with. We have to show them grace, and we have to show them. There's some guys at work sometimes I want to go shake them, you know, in those moments. This, um, but, like, I want, uh, so we were talking uh, this morning about being forerunners. I'm kind of scatterbrained. I love this. 
being forerunners. I saw so a, a young man that used to go to church here. He drew a number four. I wish I could find it. And it has little running legs, and the background looks like it's moving. So, we're like, he's a, f- a number four that's running. So, we're forerunners. That's what, that's what we're called to be, is forerunners for Christ. We're supposed to go out ahead of him and go, uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're to preach the good news, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. We're supposed to do all those works. But unless we live in this, in, in that uh, area with the fruit of the Spirit, and with everything else we've set up here, you're not going to go very far. You're not going to make that impact. You're not going to be representing Christ as, as Christ. I mean, how many of you would take it to the cross? Yeah, I wouldn't take I don't know. But we have to pick up our cross daily. We have to die daily. Until we can get to, I'm not saying that until we get to that point, but we have to get to that point so we can represent Christ and who he truly is on this earth. I want to see revival. We, uh, John was saying uh, that we've seen snippets of things that the Lord has promised, but there's more to come. So we need to understand the sovereignty of the Lord, and we need to understand the grace of the Lord, and we need to understand that even gentleness sometimes puts us at the feet of our enemies and washes their feet. Even that we know what's going to be the outcome, we still wash their feet. And feet are disgusting. Especially some of you teenagers. Can you imagine the disciples' feet? I mean, those guys, they walked everywhere in these little sandals. Ain't no telling what they stepped in. So Gross. Want a story? I, I want to give you a story about feet and how nasty they are. All right, <laughs> real quick, real quick. So, so it, it won't be super nasty or anything. All right. So I was in high school and I went to a, a youth retreat, and I guess for some reason I just didn't pack socks, which is disgusting, right? So this is like a weekend thing, and you know it's in the fall, but still you're you're doing activities, you're you're getting sweaty. And I was like, man, you know, I, I asked my friends, like, do you have, I asked my friend, do you have any socks I can wear? Because this is nasty, you know, they're getting, getting stiff. Anyway, so it just so happened that this week our youth pastors were washing our feet. And in my head, I was getting my feet washed, and I was like, if you knew, you knew. I got to tag off of that. You go for it. It's not about. Well, it is about nasty feet, but <laughs> it kind of goes with kind of goes with everything we've we've been saying. <laughs> you know, the Lord is sovereign, and our sovereign God. He's he's you know all those names, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. But yet, he wasn't too proud to show us what true servanthood was by washing the disciples' feet. And if you read about the culture of the day, the lowest of low servants in the house, that was who washed everyone's feet. It wasn't the owner of the home. It wasn't the lord of the home or whatever you want to call it. It was the lowest of low servant. 
who actually got down and washed the traveler's feet. And if you can think about where all this took place, I mean, it's sandy, it's nasty, it's gross, um, it's muddy. I mean, they've been walking, they walk everywhere, and they wear sandals, and so no, no socks, like Dylan was saying. I bet their feet were just plumb nasty. But yet, Jesus came down as a man, the sovereign Lord of Lords came down as a man, and then to show us the true example of servanthood, went to the lowest of low that you could possibly think. And he got down and he washed every single one of the disciples' feet. That's the true example of servanthood, even from the most sovereign of creators to come as a man and do the worst of the worst jobs. That's just what we don't deserve it. I said that earlier, we deserve death, but yet our king of kings lowered himself to that level of servanthood to wash the disciples' feet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't talk after that. <sighs> hey, Robert, can you go go up and start playing some rounding third music and head it home? Uh, in John 14, uh, I already read 12. I'm going to read you uh, 13 and 14. It says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Dylan, you were talking about like nature, which... Uh, <laughs> If you haven't seen Sunday Cool video about nature, it's, I can't, I'm telling you, it's hilarious. You got to re-watch it, okay? We'll play it one, one Sunday and we'll throw you off. We'll have to get pastor's permission. Um, or we'll just do it when he's not here. Um, he, he'll be fine. Um. What is it that you need to ask for? What is it that you need the Lord to do? Is it to help you with understanding his sovereignty, his grace, his mercy, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness? Or maybe it's something in your own heart like, Letting go and letting him take control. We all struggle with that. We uh, we were at a church the other day and they were talking about seeing these chains, these links of chains being cut up. But it wasn't just like one link, like one side of the chain was being cut. It was both sides of the chain being cut. That way there could be freedom. But what we do is we're kind of like a dog to vomit at times, and we'll go back and we will grab all those chain pieces and we will carry them even though we've let the Lord cut those off of us and we were like, no, nah, I, like, I don't like this feeling. I don't like feeling free. I like, you don't like it, but that's what you were accustomed to. You were used to feeling that, 
burden and the pressure and you wanted that with you. But we have to let it go. If we really truly believe that the the words that are the words that are in this that are living and active in everyday life, we can change this community. We can change this county. And we can change the world from right here. And we've sent people to the world. I, I, some of you don't know some of the young people that have left this building and have went around the world and, and preached the good news. Some of them got deathly sick and we were on our faces 24 hours, 7 days a week for their healing. We are here to equip you and to send you out to be a forerunner. And these words do have power for good and for bad, depending on how you use it. What comes out of your mouth? Right? There's life and death and the power of the tongue. It's in there somewhere, boys. So what are you speaking to? What do you want God to do? In your life, in your community? Let's think about it before we open the altars up. What do you want the Lord to do? Let him pick apart your heart this morning. That way we can have a better and greater understanding of who he is. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.